0: the mm-hmm. army's unsafe my marriage is unsafe my parents are unsafe my in-laws don't really understand <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. and now like my students are dead you are not alone
1: i support To good things from the couch with your host Elizabeth Davies. I am a mental health counselor and author, and today I have a former client, Joyma. With us, who saw me back in 2017 dealing with the struggles of being a military wife. Welcome, Joyma, and thank you so much for being willing to be on um, Good Things from the Couch today. And so, I want you to tell our listeners as we go back to 2017 what you were going through at the time when you started counseling with me of all the struggles of being a military wife. Right.
0: Well, at that point, we had been um, apart for almost three years it was going on three years he um we got stationed in germany and some things happened with my son's special needs stuff while we were in transition that flagged us uh, it's weird military stuff but basically the army took back (laughs) our ability to go with them to germany so so he had to go he had to still go though and so it was like a surprise separation. We weren't planning on it, and it was different than a deployment. Like, he just had to work somewhere else for two years, and it was a really long time. And so I think because it was so confusing and disorienting, and the logistics were just everywhere and so messy, um, there was just a lot of broken trust in a lot of different ways over mm-hmm. over that. And, um, and, yeah, and then... We were, we were living apart. He did the two years in Germany, and then he got stationed, um, to the base nearest where we were living at the time, um, and we had tried to reintegrate, but, uh, we knew we needed, it ha- we had tried for about six or seven months on our own with him living at the base and just driving up on weekends and trying to reintegrate that way, um, And it wasn't working. We knew we needed professional help if we were going to move forward. So Mm -hmm. that's when he called you. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And I remember that phone call. Um, I remember thinking, wow, this guy really loves his wife. And I also remember the feeling of like, how weird, they only live a couple hours from each other and they're separated and they're not living together. But I remember uh, as I got to know him more, it was really like his, he was like almost like terrified that look, we already have like, so much distance and issues that have come between us from the separation so many years being overseas, uh, that if we get together and we just try to get together now the way it is without, with the lack of communication, the resentments, the the abandonment that you felt, the resent, really the resentment was about, like, being a single mom for two years, you know, with very so little support. Mad. I yep. was so mad at
0: the yep. military and I was holding Todd to accountable,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
0: and... I was, I was really angry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, and that wasn't, and you weren't able to work through that together. Um, so yeah. I remember thinking, what do you mean he won't let you live with them when you're like, well, I'm going to come live with you. I am your wife. You know, I remember thinking, what do you mean you're not going to let your wife live with you? You know, but then I realized that you're right. You know, if you try to move in with it, with that much tension and unresolved issues from a couple of years ago and hurts and, and like you said, some blame and accountability that that wasn't necessarily 100% his. Like some of it really was just the military it was demanding uh, that he be there. And plus you'd ha- plus prior to that, from being married 12 years, you'd had to move a couple of times. You'd, you'd had to change your career a couple of times. Like it was kind of like ongoing resentment and he knew like, hey, if we get together, this is not going to go well. You know, we need to kind of have a mediator here, which was a really, really good idea, I think too.
0: Yeah, and um, it was so brave of him. It was really yeah. wise. I remember asking him, Shortly after he came home from Germany and wasn't, like, making movements for us to leave and move back down there with him. And I'm, I'm like, what is up? Are we, like, what is, and he, can I move in with you? Right. Can we, can we, can we rent this house out or sell this house out and can we move base with you now? And he was like, No. and that that was so painful to hear you know because I just oh it's sorry I don't want to cry about it but it was really hard but today I look back on that and I think like he was really standing in his integrity like Mm -hmm. I think if he would have said yes it would have been disastrous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he was really standing up for our marriage and our relationship and self-care and self-help And, like, it was a hard boundary, but, you know, it was like, it was like, (laughs) I had a lot to learn about boundaries in general, you you know, Mm -hmm. and so it was just one step. But by the time he called you, it had been six months of, like, me asking if we can move in together and him saying no. And I was like, okay, so by the time that I finally got to you, (laughs) I was really done,
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was pretty much I was like I'm doing this because he's making me. Mm-hmm. Um not because I don't believe in therapy. I totally do mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. for it now especially but but I it wasn't like out of principle. It was just like I
1: I really didn't understand. No. And did he explain to you, like you know how you're explaining to me? Oh, it's because he knew that if we moved in, it would be disaster. No. Be- so he I can ap- articulate that. Right. At time. Yeah. Yeah, he
0: was. He just knew, like it was protective. It was protective of his own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also protective of our marriage and mm-hmm. our kids. Mm-hmm. And and it seems like upside down a little bit, mm-hmm. but. I see it today as, like, holy wisdom. Like, I think the spirit was just really with him in that moment, Mm -hmm. making him brave. Mm -hmm. But, I
1: mean, think about any woman that would feel like, what do you mean I can't move in with my husband? When they're saying, can I move back to the base with you now that you're back in the States? Can we live together? And your husband saying no and not being able to articulate that. And I know that's one of the reasons for sure that he had called to is to have better communication to articulate these types of things. And, you know, what? it's a good opportunity right now to say that, like, why wasn't he a good communicator, to go back into the background for a minute and say, a lot of times we learn how to communicate in our family of origin. Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling me, because I would be like, why why wouldn't he be able to just articulate? Look, hon, you know what, I'm going to call a counselor, I'm going to get a mediator so that when we move in together, like, it's good. We have skills, we can really make this a really good relationship, you know. And I remember you saying, and, and him telling me later on, too, like, my parents just didn't talk about things, they just... Yeah. Don't speak. I mean, um, so he didn't even have the skills to have communication. I mean, can you imagine if it was a if it was a marriage that he wasn't in the military and you were trying to live a civilian life with someone who isn't a communicator? Um, would the distance have been, you know? the same as if he was away, you know, because you could always blame it like, well, he's away, he's, he's overseas for a couple of years, of course, we don't right. have, you know, tight well, communication. When but- you're
0: with someone, though, when you're with someone, there's so many other ways to communicate other than verbally. Yes. But when you're separated, for when all you have is verbal, yes, yes, it, it really, like, all of that stuff kind of surfaces, all of those mm-hmm. deficits that you maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't notice otherwise. Like, we've been married before we got in the military, we'd been married eight years, Mm -hmm. like, as with no children, so Mm -hmm. we had a lot of time to, Mm -hmm. to, with each other, with just us, Mm -hmm. and we knew that we were in love with each other, Mm -hmm. and that we were, you know, like, we were in it to win it, Mm -hmm. our whole, our whole marriage up to then, and it was just, like, Mm heart-battering. I was, like, that was, when I think about how I felt, I just felt heart-battered and exhausted, Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm like it was way too much work Mm -hmm. to try to piece back together Mm -hmm. by myself Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really sure it was worth it anymore either Mm -hmm. you know I was just really broke Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. but hope you know Mm -hmm. I think that
1: and love I mean, there's a lot to be said for love. I remember when he called me for the first time to ask for help, I remember thinking the first thing, I think, like, this guy's really in love with his wife. (laughs) Like, I remember having that thought as he was telling me, like, desperately, like, I need to somehow make this marriage work, and we really need help because we don't have the skills here, you know, and he wanted to save it. But obviously, even if you were at the point then of... You know, like I don't even know, you know, like I don't even know if this is gonna work, but that the love still, because that's one of the qualities of love, it perseveres through all of that difficulty, you know. But then again, with the foundation of a good relationship, we we need to have the communication, the commitment, the trust, the mm-hmm. respect, and the love needs to be there as a foundation so that we can build our relationship up from that. So while you were in counseling with me in 2017, you saw me for 19 visits. <laughs> Both of you, right, together, and I want <laughs> to how that seems
0: like a long time, but not long enough. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: For the amount of damage that you helped repair, it was
1: like- <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it can take years to do damage, and you're like, "How long before we can just kind of slowly get enough skills to start piecing this?" Back together. So, was there anything specific in counseling that you remember that you started to see hope because you were practicing new skills you had learned or new things that we had talked about? You know, I always give homework. Um, was there anything that stands out? Well,
0: your homework was really annoying, but it helped <laughs> <me>. <laughs> because because it was always so. It was it was um, things that I needed i mean this is the wisdom of your counseling coming out of course but like i was having a really hard time being kind especially Mm -hmm. to myself Mm -hmm. and so you would say like write 10 things you like about yourself and put it in your wallet and you know and then and it was so at that point i was so just like heart battered and exhausted and operating from a, a really pretty far outside of my values in terms of Well, it's hard when you're grieving. You know, it was a really long grief period. It was years of grief. Um, And so, I forgive myself, but I was—it was really hard Mm -hmm. to have positive thoughts.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so, um, you know, the accountability of (laughs) making me do that in in various ways over weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't know, it just softened my heart Mm -hmm. towards myself and Mm -hmm. towards Todd. And it needed, my heart needed a lot of softening at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And can you tell the listener, well, so the great thing is, is what I'm hearing you say kind of in a nutshell, is I learned to have a more loving relationship with myself. So as my heart softened toward myself, then of course, then I was able to have my heart soften now toward my partner. Right toward my husband. Um, And that's important for listeners to know too, because the better relationship we have with ourselves, the better relationship we'll have when we're in one with others. So, but what about the resentment and the hurt? Like you said, you call it hurt battered, you know, where you had a lot of forgiveness to do, and then you had to put the blame where the blame was. Like you wanted to blame your husband, but really. a lot of it was the military of him having this life where he was, you know, mandated to go overseas. And even since then, even since your relationship has gotten better over the years, um, he still had to go away for months at a time, sometimes weeks and months at a time. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that's ongoing as long as he's in the military, you know. So how, how, what can you tell our listeners about how do they deal with... When your spouse is away for months, sometimes years at a time, how do you keep the relationship connected when, like you said, there's only one form of, one mode of communication, which is verbal. Like, now you can do FaceTime, but there's no, like, all the other ways you can show someone you love them, like sit next to them and hold their hand, or, you know, just other ways when you're together, their body language and stuff in a room that you can kind of, that can kind of emanate off us to let us know our partner cares or loves us, or... Yeah. Well...
0: Um, I think it, you, you use different strategies for the amount of time that you're dealing with, I right? think, yes. number one. So the really long-term separation, like a lot of deployments are, or a lot of times military spouses will go off for months and months and months to to trainings to yes. a different school. They do that when they level up in leadership, things like that. Um, so depending on the amount of time, if the longer term it is, this is this going to sound, but one of the reasons I was so exhausted was that I, I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I was holding up a screen and calling it daddy. Mm-hmm. And, and so my expectations for the relationship in a long-term separation were just um, unclear and unrealistic mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I had to learn how to operate so low. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think un- understanding <clears throat> that different amounts of time calls for different kinds of habits, routines, and expectations mm-hmm. um, during the separation is really helpful. When it's a short one, just a couple weeks or a month or so, um, sometimes that happens, which are shorter trainings mm-hmm. that are in town, but they go out into the forest or desert or whatever it is and do remote um, trainings and stuff. That is, that's, you know, that having, when they have signal, (laughs) having the expectation of just to call me to say goodnight every night Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. give us, we'll do like a five minute back and forth Mm -hmm. update about the life. And then, and then that's it, Mm -hmm. you know, because Mm -hmm. we're both tired.
1: (laughs) Right. Because you're being a single mom, even though you're married. And that's where a lot of the resentment came. And then the resentment, the resentment also like from having a family that wasn't able to be to support you in ways you needed. Because I remember you telling me both of your parents had a drinking problem, and so they weren't the safest per se parents per se to leave young children with, right? And I remember you feeling a little bit nervous about that sometimes. And then the in-laws weren't necessarily always available either. Um, and I don't remember why you told me that. They weren't able to support you in ways you needed to. Because sometimes if we have more support, it can... I don't know, it can seem like we can get through things. Like, because we have the support to help us through in the difficult times.
0: Yeah. So it was it was hard... Um, it, I, was, I was dealing with just a lot of trust issues with the in-laws and family around me, even though they were, like, I have the gift of hindsight now and not having, like, a traumatized brain when I think about it. So, so my, my, my the place where we landed first when Germany didn't work out and Todd still had to go, I mean, it left me with my kids homeless mm-hmm. and jobless because I, I had left my job from another state at the other base. And I had also sold my truck in anticipation to live overseas. So I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a home. Mm-hmm. And I had these two babies, mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously really traumatic. And my parents mm-hmm. saw that. And they let me live with them, with the kids, for for about a month or so. Mm-hmm. And for a long for a long time, long way longer than they expected. It might have mm-hmm. been two months, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like expecting me to visit for a week
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, right
0: but i was i was so spinny mm-hmm. and my kids were were traumatized and in acting up and not sleeping and crying and it was a really hard season like so they were very generous but but also kicked me out they were like mm-hmm. it's enough you got to go now mm-hmm. um and so that hurt that yeah. was hard yeah. and that hurt because i really like i literally didn't have anywhere to go right. <laughs> and i knew i needed it would make me it would mean i'd have to put my kids in care and i'd have to get a job Mm -hmm. which was like um i was still hoping i'd be able to go to germany Mm -hmm. so but these are the things that military spouses like these are the crazy logistics that you really just can't prepare for or Mm -hmm. predict Mm -hmm. and um and I didn't have any skill. I didn't have any scaffolding for that and mm-hmm. have any life stories. No one in my family is in the military. Mm-hmm. No one in my family has ever lived overseas. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, I didn't know how to operate in mm-hmm. this way. I didn't have skill sets yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, I felt a little bit out like an outsider with the military because it, I literally don't not understand the language. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no say or choice or voice, um, and like my official like labeling is a dependent, mm-hmm. and so like when when you break trust with your dependents, you know I was literally depending and and I just on all of these different systems and families and people and and it just kept breaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I didn't know when there wasn't another safety net available. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really know. I'd never been there before. Mm-hmm. I was. I would guess I'm pretty privileged in that way, you know. But, like, it just came as a shock mm-hmm. to have two little kids and be that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, that... That and you know, that's like a lot of trauma to deal it with. Yeah. <laughs> in laws are really chill. Yes. Like Todd's family is really chill. So that was the issues with like my parents on top of alcoholism and other issues that they had um that I was like needing to unpack from other times. But mm-hmm. but then like Todd's in laws were like doing the slow creep away as they're like watching all of this really mm-hmm. hard stuff happen to us. Mm-hmm. And um and I don't blame them there was a lot to handle and what could they say? They probably couldn't have helped me anyway, but, but it made me realize that just because they're my family members, they don't understand the military either. Mm -hmm. Like they're one more layer removed Mm -hmm. from, from really understanding the culture and, and none of, you know, they weren't (laughs) so, so when it happened, they really didn't understand And kept expecting me to be like the translator of what was happening Mm -hmm. instead of Todd. Mm -hmm. And the reason Todd couldn't be there is because he got immediately as soon as he got to Germany, he got shipped off to Africa, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) to help with the Ebola outbreak. So like he and then he had like back to back missions the whole time he was there. So he couldn't ever fix what went wrong. Mm -hmm. They kept him super busy Mm -hmm. and. But at the time, he wasn't able to articulate, like, hey, you're there for the long haul, settle in, mm-hmm. like, th- th- go get a house, mm-hmm. you got to get a job, like, mm-hmm. you have to set up life as if, like, he wasn't able to communicate that mm-hmm. to me. He kept mm-hmm. saying, no, we, like, we were both just in denial, like, mm-hmm. we'll get back together, we'll get back together. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That was a long rabbit trail. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, it's like, wow, it's a lot. Like you said, it's just traumatizing, you know, to it's think about lot. where am I going to go with two children? I have no home. I, I, my support yeah. system is gone. My husband's right. gone. Uh, what so, do I do? I'm
0: a teacher. I get a job at a, a school I immediately fall in love with. It's inner city. All of the things that, like, I'm a public school, a high school teacher, and so um so i get a job i set up child care for I, I do the things i figure it out on my own i do the things i like i, I get a house i get a job i put my kids in child care i i'm doing all of the things solo and then like the shooting happens at my school and i'm in lockdown court like all these systems and, and my workplace mm-hmm. broke and it was like the third school shooting i had been and i hadn't processed any of them mm-hmm. up to that point point. Mm-hmm. and so it was like Now, now school's also unsafe. So, okay, the army's unsafe. My marriage is unsafe. My parents are unsafe. My in-laws don't really understand what's going on. And now, like, my students are dead, too. And school's unsafe. Like, I just, and and it spun me into this place of anxiety where I just shut down. I couldn't, I couldn't go forward anymore. I always, um, I remember telling my principal, when I was uh putting in my resignation after the shooting it was like a week or two after and I just couldn't like all I wanted to do was just like hug my my students like I didn't want to teach them I just wanted to love them you know and so I was like okay I probably should go. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can operate the way an AP English teacher needs to operate right now. I need to go home. And and um, it was a really hard conversation with him. But he understood. He's like, you know, the, you having to go home and deal with this is just testament to, like, you... Being a strong enough person to say what you need, mm-hmm. so go and do what you gotta do, mm-hmm. and so that's what I did. I would just um, try to reintegrate, and that's when I went online, and a lot of different things happened, but. It wasn't until six months later after that that
1: I met you. (laughs) So it was a whole lot of. (laughs) It was. It was just a list of, like you said, abandonment, where you felt abandoned from your husband, you had no safety net, trauma from shootings in the the students, Uh, being a single parent and mom, and trying to hold a household together on your own. And just, it was a lot, which just reminds me how strong you are. Mm-hmm. and how equipped you are to get through every moment, one moment at a time.
0: Yeah, I have to learn a lot of skill sets.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and you can imagine if you didn't believe that, if you didn't know that, like people literally crumble and they don't pick themselves back up and they don't go back to work and they don't try to repair the marriage. And they don't keep moving forward in very positive ways like you have over the last several years, you know. Um, So what was the biggest catalyst, do you think, that got you from... Now you have post-traumatic stress disorder from suicides of students. And I think you said one of them was a shooting, I believe, that you told me, too. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a murder-suicide. And then the one before that was was a bigger shooting. Wider mm-hmm. shooting,
1: but mm-hmm. yeah, different schools, different states, even, but still, some classroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I think this would be a good time to talk a lot about your faith, because throughout the counseling sessions, um, you and I did have a discussion about spirituality and your faith, because there's some things I think that an hour in counseling once a week. Um, it's like a little band-aid to a huge gushing wound almost. Like, I can give you skills little by little, homework, practice this every night, practice loving yourself, practice being gentle with yourself, practice seeing those children in the shootings in the arms of love or light, or give yourself a visualization, which we did a lot, you and I, give yourself a visualization of these children now, In it, create an image for them now that gives you peace and soothes you and comforts you. And again, you're going through this by yourself. Husbands overseas, parents aren't really available in the way that you need them to be. So um, you needed a lot, a lot of support at this time. So do you want to talk a little bit about where you pulled that strength from? I think
0: our spiritual life um, inside of the construct of the U.S. military Mm -hmm. is... um, is really unique and really amazing Mm -hmm. and it's so cool to see how god has taken me on the journey of growth and maturity to some hate like had a really passionate dislike Mm -hmm. (laughs) and distrust Mm -hmm. um from all things military to someone who you know is now finally learning how to operate inside of it Mm -hmm. um not only for my family's personal advantage but for my happiness and yes. for the kingdom of yes. God, you know, yes. like we're, we're <laughs> this last Easter, we got to go with our neighbors across the street. We live on base. Um, we went to church with them and saw their son get baptized and we'd have holiday meals. And like, like my heart for community has been drawn in here mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with the military. It just has to do with the with who I am no
1: matter where I am. Mm -hmm. And you finding that support group. And also the the plus in that is you're finding that support on base with a culture who understands, unlike his in-laws who didn't understand or your family who doesn't understand because they haven't been in military. Now you're building a community with people who are in that culture who understand, which is even to me like an added support because it's like a validation when people are like, I get that. I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. That's a wonderful support. You don't have to explain everything and they look at you like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not the way I feel, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it so,
0: can be for sure. And yeah. I have I have military friends who who can't integrate. They always live off base. They mm-hmm. they don't want anything to do, and they live separated
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, lifestyles. And I have friends who are the opposite. Who mm-hmm. are like all in all the military spouse clubs and doing all of the things. And I'm I'm neither of those extremes anymore, which is great. Yes. <laughs> Yes. yes, I'm just the girl across the street that you could go <laughs> knock on her door anytime. She's usually hanging out on the porch gardening, like I love it. Open conversation anytime, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's nice to be in that place where I'm not so intimidated, so scared, and so mistrustful of yes. um,
1: of my neighbors. Yes, you know? and you did so much with letting go of that performance expectation too with your husband you know where you're like where and a lot of us do this it doesn't even have to do with being a military wife it has to do with like when we get married just from being a counselor for over you know 27 years how many wives or or husbands come in and they have this expectation of their partner and their partner, this is not the expectation that they, they have of themselves and then they're just constantly hitting a, a wall where they feel unaccepted and unvalidated, you know. So it's so nice to be able to just give that space to our partner to explain why do you like the military or why do you do this thing over here that I'm, you know, that I'm so opposed to or that isn't a part of my life at all but yet you're so into this over here. Mm-hmm. And so part of that Loving someone and accepting them for who they are, even though we don't have to participate with what it is that they find so important and, that and valuable, really
0: connected with me in my in my spiritual life. Yes. because it comes down to worthiness. Like, am I really had to examine whether or not I was looking at even the people I love the most in the world, like my like Todd and my kids. Like, am I looking at them? Like, in as if they're the image of God Mm -hmm. or not, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and really embodying the idea that like God is so for him, Mm -hmm. like you know, and who cares what you
1: expect, right? (laughs) 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 Truly, right? Isn't that true? It was so like, duh. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but um But what a good aha because so yeah. many people in relationships, if you just take that one thing out, the expectations they have on their partner, if you just take that out and they let go of that and start to practice like looking at someone like this is a precious child of God or this person yeah. is unconditionally loved. How can I love them like God loves them and not have expectations of who they need to be for us? It's kinda of selfish to have expectations in a way, right?
0: It was really self centered and like it remind it was kind of like i wasn't i wasn't doing it intentionally no and so that's the part that's so tricky Mm -hmm. is because it was just um Mm -hmm. we're all taught to think about things a certain way Mm -hmm. and so really i think in adult life conflict is what brings you know like when thinking rubs up against another person's thinking when those worldviews clash Mm -hmm. there's conflict Mm -hmm. and And so like when that happens, recognizing that that is happening, Mm -hmm. having the skill sets to talk about it, Mm -hmm. about what's really upsetting you Mm -hmm. rather than, and getting to the root of it and being able to like express and communicate that Mm -hmm. was the work that we just had to do over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And, and so, (laughs) you know, like having super high expectations for excellence is how I was race. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and it's and I don't disagree with it as a coach, athletic coach as a I I and even just as a spiritual person, I believe in excellence, mm-hmm. you know, but my definition of that mm-hmm. and the way I behave um to achieve it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the boundaries Mm -hmm. that like actually you can only control yourself. Yes. Excellence box. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) And that's a huge important thing too, right? Yeah. That I'm not trying to control my partner. I'm just saying, you know, I can only control how I want to respond to them, how I want to think about them, how I want to feel about what's going on with them. Uh, that helps a lot too because then they don't feel so pressured. And I remember, um, when you first started back in 2017, same, like coming back to this idea again about expectations, like your husband knew those expectations were there, and so then he didn't feel safe either to talk freely about how he felt about the military and and all the things that were important that he knew that you were kind of not really opposed to, but kind of opposed to. Um, and then same with you. You you were having difficulty communicating and being vulnerable with someone that you felt like, I don't know if he's going to abandon again is how you looked at it. I don't know if he's going to be gone again and two years overseas again and this is going to happen again and he's going to be gone for months and here I'm going to be a single parent again. I can't guarantee this isn't going to happen in my marriage again. So then in order to have that vulnerable communication, you have to have that, the vulnerability to connect. And so that's why the disconnect was so big, is you couldn't just be, both of you, neither of you at the time, could just be authentic about how you truly felt and know, like, this person loves me and and they don't need to agree with me because they love me and they're just going on this journey of life with me, no matter if I'm over here practicing being a teacher and they're over here in the military. Like, it's like their journey is their own journey, but they're on this journey with me. As a companion, as a partner, as a support to get through it, we both have different callings. Each person has a different calling. Well, and you're right to say that because if 94% of us come from dysfunctional homes, right, which is common, then you're right with the role modeling. Um, and though, and a lot of the, even though a lot of our parents back in the 50s and 60s didn't get divorced like they do in this generation, where divorce rate is like almost 50%. Um, We still were role model relationships that were very dysfunctional and how do we leave our parents relationship and you know, the roles might be, like in in my parents' relationship, there was domestic violence, there was verbal abuse, there was all kinds of things. And we don't go forward think about, oh, I want to marry a partner where all that's going on in my marriage, too. We think in our mind, that's the last thing I want. I want to be in a marriage like I see on the movies, you know, where it's like they live happily ever after. And then you get in there and you don't have this, no one has the skills for it, right? Because it was never role modeled, it was never taught to you. And there is my big plug for counseling. But counseling's really the
0: only option mm-hmm. if you don't have that kind of modeling happening in mm-hmm. schools or churches mm-hmm. or in your family structures. Mm-hmm. Like counseling is where to go and learn those skill sets. And mm-hmm. so I don't know that people have all kinds of ideas about what counseling is. And you said it feels like a band aid on a gaping wound. It, it can't, it, I, I, I get so frustrated when a friend will say, well, I went to counseling, but I quit cause it didn't work. Right. Like it's something you consume, right? right. Like it's, I took it. I should feel better now. Right. And and that's a mentality shift. That's not. That's not. You go to do the work to work out and learn skills in order to yes. function in a new yes. way. Like yes. that's it. You know. And mm-hmm. and so much of that has to do with storytelling and mm-hmm. just really being a mirror work. You you did. You have you have strategies. Yes. Yeah.
1: That
0: you use mm-hmm. and that. You know, I remember one strategy you used for me. It was so awkward. It was so hard for me to do. (laughs) I I had to hold my... I had to, like, hug myself across my chest and Mm -hmm. say something like, I am safe. And something I needed to be saying to myself Mm -hmm. in order to calm the heck down. Mm -hmm. And and you insisted that I did it a couple of times. And I was like, "I, I... and then I had to ask myself, why am I fighting this so hard? This mm-hmm. is cra- this is crazy, Christy. Like, what, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but you know the strat, the strategies that you get in the school, in this, in the opportunity to practice them. Mm-hmm. You said um, that we had done a couple of visualization mm-hmm. sessions together, and. I didn't ask for those, but you knew that I was a visual learner.
1: You know, my passion is to help people lead emotionally healthy lifestyles. That is my passion. And nothing, well, I mean, there's some things, I guess, that make me happier. Maybe my grandchild smiling. and maybe. But very few things make me happier <laughs> than seeing a client like, they come in, you know, and they're maybe even a little bit hopeless and not knowing if this is going to work or not. And then, you know, 19 sessions later or 20 sessions later, or depending on the issues, because a lot of things take longer to work through. Trauma takes a lot longer. You're not going to heal trauma in a session or two, right? Like, there's things that really yeah. take longer. Or teaching someone to communicate that has no skills is going to take longer than a session or two. I mean, these things can take a lot of time. And you know what? They are super uncomfortable. I think it is super uncomfortable to learn skills like hugging yourself if you weren't raised with hugs and giving yourself soothing images if you're not used to soothing yourself and teaching you skills that you no one taught you no one did that growing up and now you have to do this as an adult and it does feel awkward but when you incorporate that and once you have these strategies and skills you can use them for other things too and it ends up being really really helpful it's always great um reconnecting with you You're a beautiful, beautiful soul, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the podcast and let listeners know what, like, some of the struggles of a military wife that you went through and how you overcame that and now today can have a really close, tight, good marriage where there's good communication and there's closeness and there's trust and respect and growing together as a couple. So that's awesome. (laughs) very good it can be done it can be done it can be done (laughs) (laughs) very good you and God alone also